Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad. And I'm your host, Sarah. And this week on the show, we are talking about the Bad Batch episode five titled Rampage. It's directed by Stuart Lee and written by Tamara Betcher Wilkinson. And we are so excited, Sarah, to go into this episode with full spoilers ahead because there's a lot to talk about. New cute Star Wars creatures in town. Stolen the heart of me. Stolen the heart of you. We've just been waiting to scream about Moochie all day long. Sarah, take it away. Moochie. 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 That's it, folks. Thanks for coming to this week's episode. Enough said. I don't think there's much more that needs to be discussed. Mm -hmm. Um, Moochie has never done anything wrong in her entire life. Nope, not a single thing. baby. Nothing Mm -hmm. like an adolescent rampaging rancor. Like some good alliteration there from uh, Tech. We love alliteration here at at Friends of the Force that hosts uh, Bebo's book report. Yeah. Alliteration's kind of a vibe for us. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so we're going to get to Moochie. There's a lot. There's actually quite a few things to discuss in this episode. A lot of new favorites that definitely stood out. And I'm excited to to get into it. But I want to start with your thoughts on this episode, Sarah. I liked this episode. It wasn't my favorite because I think I'm more interested in like what is going on in the Empire at this time. So like I enjoyed it. I've watched it twice now. I enjoyed it both times. There are moments that I really, really like in it. But of the five episodes we've gotten so far, I wouldn't rank this at the top. Mm hmm. And this isn't like one I'd naturally go back to when I wanted to watch Bad Batch episode. Simply because it's missing that piece of the Empire? Yeah, it's missing the larger picture for me, which I find to be like the most interesting thing. Like I would go back to two immediately. Mm-hmm. I think that one for me has like the, the most interesting, really big picture at the top of that during that whole episode. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of good things happening here, but it didn't hit on all the things that I really love about the show. So like, I think there were definitely positives and I really like Sid. So it was just a smaller story than my favorite aspects of it, if that makes sense. So, you know, like not my favorite, but like still really enjoyable. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think necessarily like every episode needs to tie into those larger things. So for oh, me, it's I kind agree. of, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's something that you want from the series overall, but I mean, I, I would think like looking at this episode, it was, it was a nice change of pace for me. I actually really enjoyed the episode quite a bit just because it felt more adventurous. And obviously now we have Omega coming off of last week, getting into trouble and getting nearly kidnapped mm-hmm. by Fennec Shand. You know, you start the episode off <laughs> with, Hunter being like, what are the rules? And she's like, don't wander off. Eyes and ears on surroundings and trust no one but my squad. And then in the end, she ends up being the one to rescue all of them, which is just really ironic. And I thought that was good character progression for her. You know, again, I think they kind of overcompensated as a squad this this time around saying, you know, you're not going to be involved whatsoever. But again, it's like. The Bad Batch is kind of like learning. I feel like they keep going like, you know, one extreme to the next, you know, like, oh, let's bring her in. Oh, let's not bring her in. And I I feel like they're eventually getting towards that balanced parenting perspective where they're going to know exactly what to do. And they'll make mistakes along the way, as we see in this episode. But I appreciated that aspect of things and just the sort of craziness of it all. And Moochie, I mean, 
Echo saying Moochie is the rancor, you know, and being really surprised by that. I thought that moment alone was just like hilarious. And for me as a viewer, I was like, I didn't expect that. And you just have this like little baby rancor running around, smashing everybody and throwing all the slavers at each other. And it's like, I love watching this. That th- that little rancor deserves this. Amen. It deserves this moment, you know? And Sid is a really interesting character that I was excited to to be introduced to. But overall, I really liked it. I thought it introduced, you know, when we're talking about the bigger galaxy, like, yeah, it didn't have the empire necessarily, but I think in terms of like the slave trade, that is something that is spoken about in this episode in terms of what that looks like in the empire's reign. 100%. And, you know, that's something that I think is still valuable in terms of building out the galaxy. Because mm-hmm. I think each episode is kind of presenting a small pocket of what a new galactic empire looks like and like fits into the you know, the larger scope of things, which I think is important, you know, a hundred percent. And I think despite this being a smaller story, there are still valuable pieces of information that we learned here and valuable lessons that our characters go through. And I mean, we kind of already mentioned Omega and I, I think what's so interesting for Omega is that she kind of has been taking herself seriously this whole time. In the sense that she's copying Hunter in one of the early episodes. She wants to be a member of this this batch. She wants to be alongside them. And so she's taking herself seriously in that quest. And so when she gets the comm link in the beginning of this episode and she's using it as a toy and they're like, it's not a toy. But then she ends up using it in a way that they have to take her seriously because she's the one with the information. She's right. She's like, guys, I found Sid. You lose, <laughs> like you losers and then later in the episode when she kind of has to hide around and help out the bad batch um she has to be taken seriously and so i really like that she can kind of balance the joy and the silliness in her life with the serious aspect of her person and i think that we're kind of getting both of those aspects and we're also getting the reality checks for Omega because um, she has this moment where she learns about what slave traders are and that's terrible, right? Like the fact that people, those kinds of people exist in the galaxy. So I don't know what your thoughts are on Omega's kind of progression throughout the season so far and also her experiences in this episode specifically. Well, she continues to learn something new every episode. Mm hmm. So that was kind of interesting for her to be surprised by the idea of like selling people when <laughs> the Kaminoans entire business is based around selling, mm. uh, you know, weapons, basically, in the form of people. So one of the big aspects of this episode is is she gets the arrow that we've seen and the, yes. the bone arrow that we've seen in the trailers, like the light arrow from the Zygerian slavers, which I'm excited to see her utilize that. You know, she has the moment in this episode where it kind of pops out and she's surprised by it. But I'm excited to see, you know, do they have training lessons together? Oh, my gosh. Are they going to be like, you know, kind of chilling out on some planet and they're just outside the ship tailgating and they're like teaching her how to how to use this new tool. And it's total like family moment. That would be precious. So, yeah, I'm excited to see the light bow. But, I, I, you know, just going back to my earlier point is. Just another episode or part of Star Wars that shows kids can keep up with the heat. You know, mm-hmm. they can they can make a difference. And I think the best example was when Hunter says, you know, stay on the ship. It reminds me of, of a Qui-Gon in episode one where he tells Anakin, stay in that cockpit. 
Like you don't move. Mm-hmm. And what does Anakin do? He flies up he flies. and destroys like the entire Trade Federation and brings down the droids. So it just goes to show, you know, don't underestimate kids in this galaxy because yes, even though they are still coming to understand a lot of the galaxy and they don't know all the ins and outs and all the dangers that do lurk out there, their minds work. You know, uh, the wonderful mind a child has is what Yoda says in Attack of the Clones. And I think that's something that in this episode was really on display to prove that Omega, you don't need to shield her and like coddle her. Just just be conscious of where she's at and what she's doing, but she can hold her own. Yeah. And I think it's important for them to continue to educate her about the things she doesn't know about because otherwise she will continue to not be so careful because unfortunately in the world, especially in this galaxy that is changing so dramatically from the Republic to the Empire and in this very uncertain time, she kind of has to have the gist of what's going on in order to stand, understand why she needs to take care of herself and why she needs to grow up a little bit. Um, and, and like, it sucks that she has to grow up a little bit, but ultimately she needs to know about the world that she lives in. And so I appreciate that the Bad Batch is not shielding that from her and answering her questions when she has them, because I think that's like a really important skill of being a parent. You can, you're going to answer a question differently at three, five, nine and 11, right? But you're still going to give the kiddo a piece of the truth every time until they can understand it fully. And so I think they're doing that to a good effect for Omega during this time. Let's talk about slavery in the galaxy because I'm often appreciative of when Star Wars delves into these topics, especially for an animated show. And I think that's been done in the High Republic, in the prequel trilogy, most obviously. But it's something that definitely needs to be like addressed and shown because it is a little bit messier. I think it was especially interesting how this episode came at it from many different angles. So like first off, you had Echo, who is saying, like, we got to help them. We got to help these people. We can't let them be sold. And Tech says, yeah. And obviously, too, you know, there are credits on the line. And Echo's like, yeah, those, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of interesting because, like, Echo obviously comes from a place where he was a captive. He was a slave of sorts to the separatists, to the techno union. He was being used as an algorithm to plan war strategies against his own free will. He didn't have any choice in the matter. So I think this mission was something that was very personal to him, especially more so than it might have been to other members of the Bad Batch who just saw it as a way to progress forward and get the information they needed. Although I do think they have hearts, obviously. You know, they rescue all the people and still help them escape at the end of the day, even though Moochie is their primary objective. They still help the others get on their speeder and, you know, get out of Dodge. But it was just interesting to how they approached it initially and how personal it seemed to echo. Mm -hmm. Did you catch that initially when you watched the episode or like, what are your thoughts on how this was approached, especially from the Bad Batch's perspective? And do you feel like it was almost rectified in the end where they're doing it for the right reasons, not necessarily for the money as mercenaries? Yeah. So this is not something I immediately picked up upon. Um, I, I recognize that the interaction was a little weird between them but i didn't quite put together why um and that's just partly because i'm not a details person when it comes to tv shows i will say it every episode sorry guys um but basically after you talk us talking about that off air 
I just went, oh, like everything really comes into very sharp focus in that moment because Echo sees a moral obligation to go through with the mission in order to save Moochie and rescue uh, Moochie from the slavers. But the rest of the batch, as you said, sees it as like a means to an end so we can get credits and move on and get our intel. And it's not, and as, and as you said, it's not that they don't have hearts. They all very clearly have hearts. You see how they interact with Omega on a now weekly basis. You see how they treat others broadly. They are not um, uncaring and they aren't unsympathetic. I think they're perhaps just like Omega, not used to the world around them. They're loyal to one another. They're prior to this they were loyal to the republic and to being good soldiers but they don't know necessarily what it's like to interact as a regular person in the world so they're getting to learn some of that empathy and compassion and moral obligation as well which i think is really valuable for them as a team especially surviving in this world that is going to grow increasingly cruel where there will be more necessity to have that compassion and empathy in order for people to help one another. So I appreciated at the end how they saved the other people who were being enslaved as well. And I thought that that was a good kind of message to send that they didn't leave them behind or anything like that because that would have been terrible. But earlier you brought up um, Star Wars and Star Wars Broadly's inclusion of slavery within its narratives. And that's something I have a lot of thoughts on because I don't think that Star Wars has done like a good enough job at really tackling the issue of slavery. I think Claudia Gray, someone who's brought it up in her work more than once and has been Mm -hmm. intentional in um, having critical conversations about it and approaching the topic and how it does, you know, tarnish the reputation in the high ground of the Republic because they still live in a world where like slavery exists. And um, you go back to the Phantom Menace and isn't it Qui-Gon who explicitly says like, I'm not here to free the slaves. Yeah. You know, you know, you there, there is something to say about that line and the implications that that line has. If the Jedi aren't here to free the slaves, like what is the purpose of the Jedi? Aren't they for justice and, and, and peace? Mm hmm. Yeah, slavery is unjust. So it's interesting when Star Wars has these um, slavery narratives and to see how they address it and to see how far they go. And I think this one, because it didn't include any Jedi and we're now in a time where we're past the Republic, presents itself really interestingly because there is a moment where I believe one of the members of the Bad Batch says, you know, well, the Republic outlawed slavery. It's not a thing anymore. And the Zagirian is like, we're not in the Republic anymore, dude. Yeah. And 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 in the background, when we watch Omega kind of scaling the cliff, you hear, if you're listening closely, some of the dialogue. And he says, you know, we are going to flourish under the Empire. Yeah, we're we're going to yeah. restore ourselves. And that's just really interesting to see. They feel more empowered than ever. And isn't the Empire, quote unquote, supposed to be about law and order? You know, that's how they sell themselves. But really, mm-hmm. it's like advantageous. For the slavers and the different bounty hunter guilds and it everybody sure. everybody who shouldn't be flourishing is and the citizens who are going to feel the weight of all these oppressive boots are the ones that hurt the most yeah and it's it's just interesting to see it come up again 
because it's something that seems so prevalent in Star Wars through the eras that we see as good, you know, quote unquote, and the eras that we do see as bad, like the Empire, because they're terrible. Um, But, you know, we see the Republic broadly as a thing that is good. But at the same time, there are still spaces in the Republic and beyond that are dealing with this. So, you know, we're not we live in a I guess what I'm trying to say is like we live in a series of of complex gray areas and but the so so do the so so do the galactic citizens of Star Wars and I'm that's not me attempting to you know justify or excuse slavery in any way shape or form I want to make that really clear uh, I just say that to say that there's so much going on and the Republic while saying that they're good and while we might think of them as good broadly has these moral failings still that cause issues because mm-hmm. even if you say our business will flourish he doesn't say that they're just getting started he's saying that like we will re- we will have some sort of you know record numbers as opposed to before when we were probably still slaving but you know i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this i'm rambling well, at this point but i do it's think not it even interesting it's something too that i, I wish would have been more addressed in the sequel trilogy especially in regards mm, to like Finn and Janna, who we know that all the brain scraping that happens <sighs> according to Star Wars no. Resistance and the indoctrination that happens for a lot of these soldiers and how much willpower they need to break out of those chains and to oh, free yeah. themselves, you know? Yeah. So that was something I really wanted uh, in terms of a Stormtrooper rebellion because I thought that mm-hmm. would have been a really powerful statement to kind of bring the Skywalker saga full circle back to the prequel trilogy and you know some of that but you know this isn't here to we're not here to really discuss what we liked and didn't like but you know just on the on the topic of slavery i think that's one aspect of it where what like you're saying it's sort of brought up by star wars but not fully fleshed out and resolved in the way we would like to see mm-hmm. you know i guess it's better it's better to have it addressed here and there than to not at all however i am yearning for a story where it is something that is really important and crucial. And I think we'll get that in the High Republic with Afi Hollow. I'm you know, uh-huh. I haven't I haven't gotten to uh see much from her lately, just in what I've been reading. But I'm hoping if we maybe get like an Afi Hollow book or like a comic line, like it really gets to the heart of her trying to you know, squash slavery in the galaxy in the in the High Republic. And mm-hmm. especially when you talk about the spirit of unity. Uh, you can't have unity. Yeah. Yeah. When there are a lot of folks out there who are literally in chains and yeah. can't live their lives the way they want to. So I think the the too long didn't listen of this this conversation about slavery, for me at least, is the fact that I appreciate that the topic was brought up honestly with Omega and brought up yeah. critically with Omega, you know, what's what's a slave trader? And they and they tell her. And then she has to experience the realities of that and what might happen to the Bad Batch and the little child that she sees and Moochie, right? And at the same time, I feel like generally Star Wars stories when it comes to slavery and the plight of enslaved people don't go far enough. So like, yes, and mm-hmm. I wish there were more. So. I don't know. I, I think it's all very interesting that we see in this episode. And I wonder if we will continue to see the idea of slavery pop up as this series continues, or if this is just kind of something that we get in one episode. Because again, the thing that we are seeing during this time so far is the empire becoming more and more oppressive 
and becoming more and more powerful. So I wonder how that will empower the the seedy underworld that gets power through this, if that all makes sense. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and speaking on the idea of of slavery and, and captivity, let's transition to Moochie. I think that's a good place to jump into next because it is a little bit of a weird feeling, Sarah. I, I was like, wow, Moochie's so cute. And then we see Bib Fortuna show up and I'm like, not Bib. No, never Bib. I was okay. not expecting that. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah. When you heard the hologram speaking Hatties, did you know it was Bib? I did not know. Although on my second watch through, I saw the fingerless gloves. Mm. I also noticed his sort of a tentacle thing wrapped around his neck more i I noticed it more so i I could tell very blatantly the second time but first time early in the morning i didn't didn't recognize him yeah because i didn't either and again i'm not the details person but you know i turned on the closed captions i was like i recognize this this speech language like I recognize what I'm hearing here. And I was like, oh, it's Hatties. I was like, oh, interesting, interesting, Hatties. And I just like did not put it together. <laughs> you sound like but Dave Filoni. Might... <laughs> He's like, oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. <laughs> well, like, I mean, yeah. you recently said I was the Filoni tier Favreau, so this checks out. <laughs> <laughs> I love when uh, people ask Dave Filoni questions and when they're on the something, he's just like, ah, yes, interesting, interesting, yeah, yeah interesting. <laughs> it's like, just just it just reminded answer. me of it, yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know. I didn't put it together, but it was interesting when it he came he walked in and we got him very clearly. Uh, and I was like, I was like, I literally went, Bib. So did your mind immediately go to I cannot believe we just grew so close to Moochie in the last like 15 minutes and now all I can think about is Luke Skywalker throwing a rock and dropping a door onto Moochie as an adult. Was that yes. the first thought that went through your head? Because I was like, God was dang like, it. I was like, Moochie's dead. Yeah. I was like, we just got to know baby Moochie and Moochie is dead. This yeah. is cruel. Yeah. So there was a lot of discussion happening after mm-hmm. the episode. So apparently the Rancor in Return of the Jedi is actually named Patissa, who is a male Rancor. And that movie takes place for ABY. And we're meeting Moochie 23 years before that. But according to a Ultimate Star Wars reference book, Bib gave Patissa to Jabba as a birthday gift before or during 32 BBY, which is actually another 10 years before this episode of The Bad Batch. Oh, wow. So presumably you would think that Jabba actually already has the rancor that we see in Return of the Jedi. So this might be like an additional rancor. He probably has a bunch of rancors. And as we see in the High Republic, the Huts do have a lot of rancors. Uh, a lot of armored rancors. So, oh my gosh, like on that one cover, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. I'm so excited to talk more about that on the on future episodes of this show. You know, I was I thought that was kind of interesting, but you know, it, it still begs the question of okay, Luke doesn't kill Moochie, but what does happen to Moochie? Is she just like in another cage? Is she Moochie's on another dead. area? Uh, does she die before Return of the Jedi? I don't know. Moochie's we just got to we got to protect her at all costs. Um, I just I just if we don't see her in Return of the Jedi, she's got she's got to already be dead. Like that's that's uh, my that's where my brain goes. And I hate that my brain goes there. But like, oh, man, she's yeah. going to the hut. She's uh, she's probably going to live a fairly long life. But like somebody like Luke Skywalker is going to come and just murder her. Yeah. Rude. Rude. And it is a, like a little bit of an icky situation because you have 
them taking Moochie out of one pair of chains and likely going into another pair of chains, right? Yeah. And it made me feel a little more sympathetic to the Rancor in Return of the Jedi. And I do hope out of, you know, if we get from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi in two years from now, like that anthology book, I do hope one of the POVs is from the Rancor. I think that would be really interesting. And I think that's something the Empire Strikes Back edition did well is like sympathizing with some of the creatures like the Space Worm mm-hmm. and the and the um, the Tauntauns. Tauntauns and the uh, big furry, white furry Wampas. Wampas. Yes. Lack of words today. <laughs> but it just makes you think, you know, Moochie came out of that cage throwing people around like she she was just trying to defend herself. Like she just wanted to escape. Mm-hmm. So it makes you think of the Rancor Return of the Jedi in captivity. Yeah, it's eating people as it come as they come down that garbage chute. But like, is it fed? Probably not. It's got to mm-hmm. eat just like the Wampas got to eat and feed a family, you know, so it just makes you think about some of the creatures in this galaxy. And yes, even though they do look big and scary on the outside, they uh, they they have families and, you know, they are trying to survive in this galaxy as well. And it's all a little bit of a misunderstanding at the end of the day. What do you think of mm-hmm. that whole idea of just like, you know, sympathizing with the Rancor? I mean, does this like change your perspective at all over the return of the Jedi Rancor? Because for me, it was a little bit of a light a light bulb moment of like, oh man, I do kind of feel bad now for that rancor, even if it's not. Yeah. So a hundred percent, I feel like we often see bipeds, right? Um, And we go, those are the highest life forms. And then we see creatures and we're like, those are the lower life forms. And reality in star Wars is like that line is very blurred. It seems and we ought to have sympathy and empathy and compassion for all the living creatures, even if they're an exu. Um, because exu are scary. That's why I bring them up. <laughs> um, uh, you know, even for the rancor, even for the exu, because they're just trying to live their lives, and they have their own goals and processes and day-to-days and families as we learned in some of those chapters in the from a certain point of view and it's very tragic when their lives get upended by bipeds who decide that they are better and can take advantage of them i am talking about i believe it's like the wamba who has a family no longer yeah he's like trying to get back to them and the tauntaun who like had a daughter and like lost her life because she got sliced open. Oh my god, it's so tragic. Like, though. like it's, it's sad. so sad. It's yeah. sad. Um, and like the the humans and human like species really take advantage of these creatures in ways that are like not great all the time. You know, like sometimes it's cute to have a little pet or to have like a companion, right? Um, it's like you know, Ember and Belle, best buddies in the force. Um, yeah, you know. Having a death pet who like murders other people on your behalf is is not cute. Doesn't not feel cute. great. Doesn't feel no. great. But no. you know, speaking of cute, let's just talk about Moochie. You know, we've been talking Moochie. a lot about captivity Moochie. and sadness, but let's just talk about how cute she's Moochie so cute. Is. So adorable. I love it's that awful. rancors adhere to social hierarchies. Like that's just oh so funny to me. This, yes. I love yeah, that. It, honestly, yes. I don't want to, maybe we don't want to transition into record just yet. We can talk about Moochie for another minute because I, yeah, she's just, 
so cute. I mean, ba- who knew baby rancors were this adorable? You know how you have your bantha boy and I have my porgo? Yeah, yeah. The ones that make the, they like squawk, they make the noises. Yeah, yeah. Where's my rancor? Where's my baby rancor version? I agree. No, it was so fun just watching her like run through and the, the sort of adventurous music that's playing over it. I think that's mm-hmm. why I really enjoyed this episode because I was like, this is just ridiculous. We were just yes. chasing a teenage rancor like through these abandoned grounds. And mm-hmm. they're like, we got to we got to somehow bring this rancor onto our ship. <laughs> like, you know, how are we going to do this? I just love that. And I love too. there's that moment on, I think, Moochie's face when she realizes they're there to help her. And the mm-hmm. bat match starts to, you know, shoot some of the, the slavers and. Um, you know, we get the, the, the one flying creature that looks kind of like the Zillow beast a little bit. So in, in the Rancor, you know, Moochie is biting her tail and kind of like s- smashing her head and like, kind of like hips flipping her up and down. And I, I just thought that was like a good, you know, a good moment of just like, don't mess with me. I'm Moochie. Feel yeah. my wrath. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. Now that I'm looking at the Zillow beast, you're right. You're right. They kind of do look similar. Zillow Priest plus Veractal equals whatever we got in this episode. Yes. Absolutely. I, I mean, I was a little, okay, I was, a, I was a little sad it wasn't. I know it was like a, a flyy species. I know Bogus not a flyy species, but I was just, I just want a Veractal to show up in this. Uh, we'll get a Veractal. <laughs> yeah, we can hope, Sarah. I, we can hope, help. I hope so. Uh we need Veractals Sorry, back I, in Star Wars. When I when I get like lizard type creatures at all, like we got the other one in like episode three. three yeah. And then we're getting this creature in this one. And I immediately go, Veractal, please. <laughs> Spare a Veractal. Spare, Spare a crumb of Veractal. Yeah, for me. Because like, you know, they have the same same shape broadly with the lizard like shape. And I'm like, where's my Veractal? Um, yeah. So that's just, a girl can hope, okay? A girl can hope. <laughs> um, but no, I thought this creature was really interesting and really scary. And also the fact that like it was so loyal to the the head slaver and doing its bidding. Dang, that sucks. It just that sucks. Suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Muchi fighting Rekor, I think, was just a hilarious moment. And I just love how I just didn't expect when they were going to come back. <laughs> they're like both tired out. They're kind of yeah. just like doing the tired swing and they're both just like starting to wear out. Mm-hmm. And the Hunter's like, how long they've been doing this? And they're like, way too long. This has been going on for far too long. And it's just so great. And Omega's like, she's kind of cute up close. And then yes, she's and riding like, her. Correct. Yeah. No. Oh my God. That was so, so cute. I was so like, keep, keep, please just keep Moochie. You never know like when a rank or could come in handy. Honestly, honestly, you know, I agree. I agree. Ugh. I do want to talk about the, you know, the fight between Wrecker and Moochie though, from Wrecker's point of view, because right after that moment where he says, you know, they've been fighting for far too long, Wrecker's lost his touch is the line. And that worries me a little bit. Did you feel that same like sense of worry? Because we've got Wrecker getting headaches after he went bonk bonk um, on the ground. And now he's tiring out perhaps quicker than he would um, or Mm. is off or is off his game. I didn't connect the tired part to him. I'm worried for Wrecker. (laughs) 
Well, somebody was saying that other clones were having headaches too in previous episodes. Did you catch that? Because I, I never Ooh, occurred to me. No. I might have missed those. I might have to like go back and rewatch. But I originally thought like, oh, he has a headache. That's kind of weird. And then I chalked it up as like, you know, he got beat up by Fennec in the last episode and he's kind of embarrassed about it. So he just hasn't told anybody. So they're like, are you OK? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And he, he kind of like sulks off because he doesn't want to get into that discussion. Although mm-hmm. it's a really weird detail to have one episode after that's already happened. Like you would have to like yeah. really connect those dots to, to understand that. So it seems like too deep of a cut there you know, waiting a whole week between episodes. So I think it is something that is building into a larger storyline, which is... I think Wrecker's not okay. Are these chips accelerating a little slower? Are they turning on a little slower? Did crosshairs just kind of turn on much quicker? Are theirs are going to turn on at some point too, and they're going to have to ditch Wrecker? Like, it just begs the question of, like, they got to get that chip out ASAP. Like, they got to find yeah. Rex. He's got to give them the procedure on how to get it out. And I think maybe we're going to build up to a point where Wrecker is turning, but they're going to be with Rex and that whole episode or maybe that couple episodes will be about let's get Wrecker fixed first. Then we'll go back for Crosshair because I feel like there's going to be one more member and it could be him, which will break my damn heart if we see Wrecker turn. That would be really sad. I think it's less about like Wrecker turning or any of them turning as it is like the worry of them losing themselves. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, the worry of them losing their identity, and um, I I just think that Wrecker is not one to put two and two together <laughs> to make four. Um, he's not the he's unlike Omega and Tech. He's not the brains of the operation, and I don't think he's going to put together that he's you know feeling poorly with perhaps the chip or perhaps his you know getting bonked in the head by by a. Uh, fennec on the ground there like i don't know i don't know but i just i think there's something there yeah and it worries me a lot because wrecker is good good boy yeah we're gonna have to keep an eye on some of the other clones too if we recognize any of those you know telltale signs um get that man some advil especially but yeah i do love uh I do love, by the way, when Sid says, you know, that little kid seems to be the brains of your operation. And if you look in the background, <laughs> you see you see Omega and Wrecker like high five. Like he gives her the low and she comes down on the hand like, you know, like, yeah, I did. That's, that. so, that's so cute. That was really funny. Just the subtleties of this, you know, the show yeah. is just great. Yeah. And I mean, <sighs> Wrecker just so good. Wrecker's so good. Love Wrecker. I think I think, um, you know, in the spirit of alliteration. We can be on Wrecker Watch. Ooh. Um, yep. Thank you. I came up with that one just all by myself just now. So. Wrecker Watch has begun. Yeah. Wrecker Watch 2K21. That boy <laughs> needs to be cared for. We need to put a nest in his resting quarters so we can check on him throughout the night. Yeah. Um, just sure like his... you would with a newborn. Yep. 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 Gotta but, make sure yeah, he's no, okay. I... I don't know. I'm worried about him, but I guess this is a a, a good moment to transfer over and, and talk more about Sid and yeah. why they're on Ord Mantel in the first place. And first appearance of coming. Ord Mantel, by the way, and Star Wars can't. I mean, not the first like visual appearance on like a TV or film, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. I but I like she is a really interesting character because she's kind of unassuming. She's she's sassy she's mm-hmm. she's got a lot of opinions she's got a lot of things to say such as 
my favorite line, you, dark and broody, my office, <laughs> to Hunter. And I was like, that tracks, that tracks, yeah, yeah. 100%. And, and she's very interesting, quite a mystery. So what did you think about her introduction here and what she, how she treated the Bad Batch, I guess? Yeah, well, first off, we have to say that she is, is voiced by Rhea Perlman, who you probably most infamously is known from Cheers. She played Carla Tortelli in almost 270 plus episodes, like literally the whole the whole series for almost 11 years. So I thought she was a really great addition to the cast because she really played that character fantastic. I thought the character had that kind of I don't care mentality, just like get my job done, you know, because I think tech at one point says, uh, you know, we're not deserters. We just had a fundamental difference in ideology. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, that's nice. You think I care. And, yeah. you know, Echo plugs in. And she's like, oh, cool. Make yourself at home. Why don't you? You know, so she's got a little bit of a sarcastic tone to her, which mm-hmm. I think is hilarious. But it does kind of make me question where does her loyalties lie and probably just lies with whatever lines her pocket the most. We have the moment at the end of the episode. I think it was a really interesting choice to end where it did i wasn't really expecting like oh that's that okay okay that's the episode you know it just ended right mid conversation kind of before he walks out but i think it's really supposed to be an emphasis an exclamation point on like don't trust anybody Mm -hmm. because if if fennec shans after you who is like you know she's a new bounty hunter as we learn but she is really skilled and she's really savvy so if she's after you you must mean a lot so I think it's I don't think she's going to tattletale on them, but I think it's kind of a subtle threat of like, yeah, watch yourself, because guess what? You're worth a lot of money. I'm giving you guys a pass right now. But, you know, come around here again. I might not give you the same sort of pass. I might well, like, I might turn you in and just yeah. watch your back. Yeah, it's the threat of like, well, my thought is like it's the threat of comeback or I'll tell everybody where you're. That too. Work for me. Yeah. 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 Because clearly they fulfilled their bounty and and the mission really um, with relative ease. Right. They, they got, they got from A to B in a straight line and she just, she poses a lot of unknowns, I think right now. And I think we will ultimately see more of her. Either somebody else is going to come to her and we'll see her contemplating whether she's going to give up information or they're going to come back to her, I think. But she seems to kind of be playing all sides of it. She was the Jedi's informant, but also she's dealing with the huts and she's dealing with everybody. I don't know. I feel like she's going to get increasingly desperate as the Jedi's loss um, has decreased her business, essentially, as she mentions. So... Well, what if word gets around too that she kind of was in cahoots with the Bad Batch and, you know, Fennec Shan gives her a visit. So, ooh, that'd be interesting. I I do think it was interesting that Sid mentioned the guild. She had some sources at the guild that said Fennec was working on direct commission. In last episode, you and I talked about, oh, maybe Fennec's part of the Bounty Hunter Guild. That's part of the Mandalorian. We know guilds exist and they just kind of hire contracts, that sort of thing. One, like, you know, who are Sid's sources at the guild are they anybody we might know and again who is direct commissioning fennec and i think the obvious answer is the Kaminoans, but it just feels like yeah. too obvious you know it feels too obvious yeah. to me especially when you have the Kaminoans 
and Crosshair and his new elite squad. Like, wouldn't they just mm-hmm. be sent after the Bad Batch, not a bounty hunter? I feel like there's another layer here. And I do think, like, again, if we introduce Boba Fett in the show, it could be really interesting. You know, like, does he help somebody who literally wears the face of his dad? It just, it's just, like, an interesting question to maybe think about. Yeah. I don't think he needs to appear, but I would be curious if he did. If he's in cahoots with Fennec, again, Book mm-hmm. of Boba Fett, we know that's mm-hmm. coming. Uh, you know, Star Wars likes to interconnect things. Who knows, you know? I don't need it. I'd be curious. It would pique my interest. Yeah. I mean, we, I know we talked about this last week with who's paying her, who's hired her. And we kind of settled on the Kaminoans, but also like, yeah, that's the too obvious answer. Or else there's no mystery, right? It's just like, oh, we're going to yeah, well, like, how much of a letdown is that? We're just like, oh, it was just the Kaminoans. Okay. Well, maybe it's Boba Fett. Maybe it's. Maybe it's Rampart or mm. Tarkin because they don't want the clone program to continue. Right. So maybe so if they, return, they want to eliminate the future of the program. Yeah. Perhaps. Well, yeah, because the Kamina ones need them back. <laughs> yeah. What if it's Cad Bane? I, I'd love to see him. I have never seen an episode with Cad Bane in it. Oh, I don't he's think. Great. He's great. He's got the um, cowboy hat. He's got kind of the I southern drawl. That. Oh, God. He's yeah. so cool. I would love to see him appear. He's got a very interesting character design. I'm yeah. But I like, don't know anything about Cad Bane. But yeah. It'd be, you know, it's exciting. You know, the idea of maybe we'll see some other bounty hunters. I love bounty hunters. I just think they're interesting. I'm, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. As long as they add something to the story, I'm, I'm happy to see them. I think, I think when you start to introduce bounty hunters who have sort of gray areas of allegiance, and a little bit of a backbone and a little bit of a moral compass, despite their loyalty to money. I think those are always exciting characters. Yeah. Oh, and 100%. I like that's, you know, Boba Fett's been portrayed in some sense in certain comics as not that and really horribly, but there are other comics where he has been portrayed as like, and eh, maybe I won't take this guy's life or I, okay. you know, I don't have to, I don't have to kill this person. And I kind of like that approach to bounty hunters and writing bounty hunters is like, you don't always have to kill people. Like, what's the conversation look like with a bounty hunter? That's that's cool for me. And I hope maybe if we see Fennec pop up again, we'll get that sort of one-to-one interaction of like why she's hired, why she's set on carrying out this bounty, and maybe uh, her thoughts on the Empire. You know, I just, it's mm. curious to me. Curious. Yeah. We're kind of just rambling about a bunch of bounty hunter stuff right now, but it's, it's definitely are, but going to be playing a part interested. in the show. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Because we see how the slavers are, we see how the slavers are benefiting. How are bounty hunters benefiting from the empire? Yeah, you know, yeah. that's I what imagine, I want kind of answered. I would imagine they're doing all right. Yeah, because I mean, when the empire fell in Return of the Jedi, they they were doing pretty pretty well for themselves. Mm-hmm. We see that in the Mandalorian. You know, has the galaxy been more peaceful since the revolution? You know, <laughs> so now I wonder on the opposite yeah. side of that, has the galaxy been more peaceful with the empire? So mm. makes you think, makes you think so much to think about so much. Do you have Head any final empty. thoughts? Do you have any final thoughts on Sid and her character? And I don't, I'm just in agreement with you. Let's, let's see her again. I think she's a great character. I love the voice actress. Put mm-hmm, her in more mm-hmm. episodes for sure. All right. Because I would like to bring up the light whip. Yeah. <laughs> the light whip. Okay. That the Zagarian uses. Yes. On Hunter, right? And he's kind of like, it's, it reminds me of that moment in the throne room fight where 
you know, rays being pulled in. Oh, good um, call. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously a little different tool, different instrument that does essentially the same thing. Yeah. But my question for you is, is this light whip to use in the same way that Bernestra's is? Because Ooh. we see that it's not searing. You know, like, you know how the, like, the lightsaber cuts holes, you know, like it's, right. it slices through. And this one isn't doing that. Mm. But it is, but it has the same look as like Vernestra's light whip. Interesting. So I don't know if they're different, if it's kind of the same technology or if it's different technology, but it looked hella cool on screen. And I just wanted to mention it. Yeah. And Hunter pulling out that knife. I know you like Cut Hunter knife. and his knife. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. The light whip was really cool. I think, um, it, yeah, it does, it does beg the question, you know, Vern's light whip is a little unconventional and something that she tries to hide from people. So yeah. uh, I wonder if maybe that tech falls into the wrong hands and actually helps uh, some of the slave trade in the High Republic days. I don't know. It begs Ooh. the question, you know, like, is that one of those things that you keep it secret and actually ends up the tech falls into the wrong hands and who knows, who knows? But that's definitely an interesting connection. I hadn't thought of that. Thanks. Hey, we Thanks. forgot to mention, too. But, you know, just kind of her odds and ends here. Uh, Omega's new Bad Batch doll. She's a Bad Batcher. She oh, is yeah. a Bad Batcher. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> she's like, oh, I made my trooper a Bad Batcher. And I was like, oh, precious, precious. And she's telling Gonky about it. Precious. <laughs> but do you think that she sees that doll as herself? Because I think it was interesting. It was mm. like, she is now a Bad Batcher. Do you think that oh, she yeah, was sure. making that doll almost saying like, that's me. This is this is how I see myself through this doll. I'm yeah. a bad bachelor now, you know, sure. and this is what I would look like. This is how I want to look. I, I, I kind of just made that connection, but like, I don't know. Warms yeah. your heart. I, I would support that. I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because we, we do in our lives just like put, we project various elements of our life. You know, we want to be, we watch a movie, we see ourselves as the hero in the movie, you know? Um, and I would imagine she's doing the same thing with her own inclusion within the group. Even though she is included, she's obviously a lot younger than them. She looks different than them um, and has a lot to learn, but she sees herself there already and can see herself as a part of that team. Yeah, I think that was sort of what that was symbolizing. But yeah, definitely warmed my heart. I, mm -hmm. I just love Omega rising to the occasion this episode, rescuing the group. And they wouldn't have gotten out without her. <laughs> you know, when I, I just one last thought here is when when Tech is sitting there and he sees Omega for the first time, he kind of nods up. It reminded me of, you know, Han Solo when he's like, there's Ray, you know, on Starkiller base. He's like, she's right mm -hmm. behind you. He's like, Ben's like, why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep doing that? You know, I thought that was kind of what reminded me of it. And also just like, you know, oh, Padme, she seems to be on top of things, you know, like look up. So I, I just love those classic moments of like, you know, I wonder what this other person's doing. Oh, she's right there, like about to rescue us. So I just appreciated that little nod. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Good 100%. episode for Omega for sure. And I cannot wait to see her use that that light arrow thing. Yes, I'm so cannot excited. Wait. I'm so excited. Sarah, any final thoughts on on Rampage before we close out? Justice for Moochie. Absolutely. Moochie Hive. Moochie Hive. Hive. Rise up. Rise up, folks. Rise up. <laughs> that, that, that's it yeah well i can say for sure that star wars resistance gave us bebo and the bad batch gave us moochie and i love it when star wars is cute adorable creature that i will die for anyways appreciate it appreciate it amen sarah where can our listeners find you online until next time you can find me on twitter letterbox and goodreads at sch221 and on instagram at sarah's puzzle pages 
I talk about the books and the puzzles. Yeah, you've been going hard on the puzzles lately. The puzzle game is strong. Oh my God, I've acquired so many puzzles recently. It's, <laughs> it's almost a problem, but not quite a problem yet. There are worse things you could be buying. That's my philosophy to keep buying things. As for me, you can find me at Brad Whipple on Twitter. You can also find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe on YouTube, but wherever you listen to the show, make sure to leave us a five-star written review if you can, because helps our podcast kind of go up in the charts and then other people find Friends of the Forest and join the discussion. And then we all are one big happy family here at Friends of the Forest. And that's exciting. You could say we're friends. Yeah. Of the Forest. We also have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash friends of the force where you can join for as little as $1 a month to get extra episodes uh, and join a special Patreon Discord channel and just like hang out with us, hang out with us. And we are so happy to have lovely patrons. Thank you so much for supporting us. Adam, Amy, Anna, Brian with an I, Brian with a Y, Cheryl, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Jesse, Knights of Ren, Huang, Levi, Lindsay, Marie Claire, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, Skytalkers, and T. Thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate you to the moon and back. So for all of you out there listening, thank you so much for joining us once again here at Friends of the Force. And until next time, may the Force be with you always. Bye.